you want to know what it is. The Matrix is everywhere. It is all around us. Even now in this very room. You can see it when you look out your window or when you turn on your television. You can feel it when you go to work, when you go to church, when you pay your taxes. It is the world that has been pulled over your eyes to blind you from the truth. What truth? That you are a slave, Neo. Like everyone else, you were born into bondage, born into a prison that you cannot smell or taste or touch. A prison for your mind. Unfortunately, no one can be told what the Matrix is. You have to see it for yourself. This is your last chance. After this, there is no turning back. You take the blue pill. The story ends. You wake up in your bed and believe whatever you want to believe. You take the red pill. You stay in Wonderland. And I show you how deep the rabbit hole goes. Offering is the truth, nothing more. Follow me. I know that some of you that may like The Matrix are sorry that we aren't going to watch the rest of the movie. You were just starting to settle in, right? You were looking for the popcorn and, and all of that. So um, you can go home. It's probably uh, on somewhere today. You can go home and watch it. it. If you're not familiar with that movie, that series, it came out in 1999. That's when the original one was released. Um, I, I, I love that clip, and, and I love uh, what he says at the end. All, all we're really offering is the truth. And that really kind of, if we gave you one thing about why, why do we do what we do? Why does, why does the church exist? All, all we're here for is to offer you the truth. And Choices, is, uh, it's a two-part series that, that I'm going to be bringing to you. Our lead pastor, Bud, and his wonderful family are on uh, a well-deserved vacation. And so I uh, am going to be uh, doing these, these next two weeks so that he can enjoy some time off. Uh, there are some similarities if you if you know about this movie. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna tell you the whole stories, but there are some things that are that are not quite similar. I'm I'm fairly certain, fairly certain that that this isn't a computer generated world we live in, and we're really living in little tubes that are hooked up to uh, machines to keep them running, which is what's happening in the Matrix. I'm fairly sure that that's not what's happening, but. There is some truth about having to make choices, and, and so that's what we're going to spend some time talking about, because we all have to make choices, and we have to make them all the time. 
So uh, if you're like me, I get a condition at this time of the year known as summer brain. And my summer brain isn't quite as sharp as uh, my brain the rest of the year. Some of you may even say that the rest of the year it's not all that sharp. But uh, I don't think those people are in the room right now. I think they were up here and they left for a while. So <laughs> hopefully we'll do okay with that. Um, but I, I, I try to... I, I try to kind of slow down in, in the summertime and, and, and kind of re, rejuvenate. I do a lot of teaching during the year. And, and so um, I thought because I have summer brain that perhaps you have summer brain and you suffer that problem as well. So well, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to give you at the top, I'm going to give you the bottom line for this whole two-week series. And that way, if you have summer brain and you just sort of check out uh, the rest of the time, uh, and you even need to, to nap, that, that has been known to happen, or whatever, you're going to get the most important thing right up front. Now, that's a very unusual thing. Normally, a, a pastor would hold that to the end to try to hold your attention, but again, the whole summer brain thing, I want you to get this. It's, it's so important. It really is something that if you put these principles into action, could really change some of your experiences. So the bottom line for this whole two-part series is um, who you listen to is who you follow. Who you listen to is who you follow. And, and I think it's so important that I want us to personalize it, and, and you all should have had uh, on your seat a little, a little card that, that was put there. And if you'd get that little card out, and I want you to... Um, I think one of the things... There are lots of good things about society right now, but one of, to me, one of the not good things is that we, um, we either text or use a keyboard for everything. And, and I think we lose something when we don't know how to write something in our own hand. They, there's been a lot of studies done. If you want to remember something, you need to write it with your own handwriting. So we're just going to, you're just going to write one sentence on a card. Now, I don't want you to panic, those of you that haven't written in a long time. Nobody needs to read this but you. So if you have that horrible handwriting like I do that nobody... When I go to the grocery store and Ryan's put stuff on the list, you wouldn't believe the things I bring home that is not at all what he wanted. But you're the only one that's going to read it. But there's something important about writing this in your own hands. So if you... There's pens in the, in the pockets in front of you if you don't have a pen with you. If you would write this statement, who I am listening to is who I am following. If you would write that on that card and you would put that card somewhere, I'm telling you, this will be a reminder that you are glad you have. Who I am listening to is who I am following. Now, I put that in the, in the current tense because it's a constant thing. Who I am listening to is who I am following. Some of you, it might be uh, put it in your car, put it on a mirror, put it somewhere that you will see that. Because here's the mistake that sometimes we make. If, we are, if we're believers, then if I ask you that question, who are you listening to? You would say, Jesus. You know, nine times out of ten, if you come to church and, and you get asked a question, if you say God, Jesus, Holy Spirit, or Bible, you've got a good chance of getting the, the question right. So if I said that to you, you'd be like, Jesus, of course. And that is a true statement, but you have to realize you can't just say that one time and that covers your whole lifetime. Because we were born into a battle that's existed for a long time. 
And we will live our whole lives in a battle that has been going on for a really long time. If we could, you know, we live here on this plane. If we could somehow, and we can't, uh, but if we could peel back the curtain that separates the spiritual world from this physical, earthly world, we could peel it back and look in there. There's a huge battle going on between angels and demons, between the forces of good and the forces of evil, and they are in an epic war. And they're fighting over something, and what they're fighting over is us. And so to just say one time, well, I I follow Jesus, that's great, but on a moment-by-moment basis, you've got to remember that, well, it's not up there anymore, but it should be on your card, in your own handwriting, that says, who I am listening to is who I'm following in that moment. Now, some of you will remember, and I'm not sure exactly how many years ago, remember when the, uh, the gadgets came, the GPS gadgets came out, that you like put the little suction cups uh, into your car, and how cool that was. Nobody had that, there, there was no app on your phone to do that stuff, right? And that Garmin was one, we, we had a Garmin. And, and when they first came out, I got Ryan one for Christmas. And I thought, oh, this is, this is going to be so cool, you don't need... Um, Some of you will remember this strange thing on paper called maps. You remember, everybody ever go on vacation where you had the the big thing or the whatever? Most of you, yeah, some of you are like, I don't know what she's talking about, yeah. But a few of you remember those. Well, that got replaced by the Garmin's or the other, I don't know what the other brands were, but we had gotten one of those. And the first time we ever were going to Holden Beach in North Carolina, we decided we would, use, we would use this, and we were going to be, we were going to be so cool. And we, we programmed in the trip and everything, and, and um, we picked whether you wanted to listen to a man or a woman, and, and I did it. Ryan didn't like it because he had to listen to a woman give directions the whole time, but, you know, I, I programmed it in, so go figure on that one. Um, but the funny thing is, we, we were part of the way there, and according to the little screen, we were driving through the woods, we were on an interstate, but according to the thing, there was like trees everywhere, and it showed our, our little car, and it was like we were knocking trees down and going through the woods. And so the lady's voice, of course, if you had one of those, you remember, what did she say? Recalculating. Well, she didn't say it exactly like that, but it got annoyingly sounding like that after she was doing it for hours, because we were on this interstate that wasn't programmed into this thing. It was a new interstate, and she kept going recalculating, recalculating, and because she wanted to help us find our way. Well, what we need to do is recalculate. And that is what we need to do. So when I say who I am listening to is who I am following in any given moment, there are times where we need to recalculate. Right? I don't know a whole lot about physics or or math kind of things, but I do know that if you made a one degree change from the path you should be on, over time, a one-degree change is eventually going to have you out where you really are probably driving in the woods, and you're going to need to make a big change. So those are the choices we need to do, and I'm going to, um, we're going to look at a key passage of Scripture that's going to be kind of the, the, the main Scripture that we're going to use for this, uh, this little two-part series. And so we're going to look at, if you have your Bibles and you want to do that, you, you may look up 2 Corinthians pretty far into uh, the New Testament, or you can follow along on the screen, but this is 2 Corinthians chapter 10, uh, verses 3 through 5. 
And so that's starting at verse 3. It says, For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. So I sort of just set the stage with that, saying that there's a spiritual battle. And, and we can either be a part of that, or we can just be sitting in the middle and bombarded constantly. You can't be not in the battle. You can be fighting, or you can be sitting smack in the middle of that battle. Have you ever seen movies of, of old wars where the, where the two lines... You know, the, the two enemies would be fighting against each other, and they would just line up in these big, long lines, and they just march towards each other, just shooting away. People falling all over the place. Well, we're in a battle, and we can either be on a side, or we can be sitting there right in the middle, and so we're, we're, we're just getting it all the time. But we are in a battle. In verse 4, the weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. So that verse implies that we have weapons. It doesn't say the weapons we might have. It says the weapons we have and we fight with are not weapons of this world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. So whatever our weapons are, they have power and divine power. And in verse 5, we demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God, and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. And so the the real key point in there is, is that take our thoughts captive. That we need to do that. That we need to find a way because our thoughts, right? I, I can't climb into your head, um, but you sure wouldn't want to climb into mine because it, it can get pretty chaotic in there, right? Any of you have that uh, you're walking around all day long. I just saw a little meme on it on Facebook yesterday. You're walking around all day long, and you're exhausted, and you can't wait to go to bed. And as soon as you go to bed, you wake up at like an hour later, and you're just like, you have, your mind is just going crazy, right? I mean, some of you I know pretty well, and I've kind of listened to you, and I know that your head is probably as chaotic inside as mine is. So there's all these things, and we're being led in all these directions. We're being told all these things about ourselves, And Paul tells us we're to take our thoughts captive. What exactly does take our thoughts captive mean? It means we need to recalculate. And we need to recalculate all day long. See, here's the thing, and I I think it's a great thing. If you get up in the morning... And you have some kind of quiet time. Some, some of you do that. Some of you, you know, with maybe younger kids or your schedule, you're not able to do that. But if you do that and you're like, I'm going to start my day, you're choosing to recalculate, right? Whether it's a, you have a, a, a study plan or a little devotional, I think that's great. There's, there's tons of those out there. Here's the, here's the problem. If you close the book and you put it away and you're done for the rest of the day, You've recalculated once, but if you're like me now, uh, most of my devotionals are in my, in my home office on my desk. But once I close that book, I have to get up from my desk, walk out of the office, walk down the stairs to the garage, get in my car, start the car, pull out. Once I'm into the driveway, I already need to recalculate again. Right? Because we, we've, we've sort of focused, we've sort of set things up, but then our mind starts to wander and go to all these things, right? And we're in a battle. We're being fought over all the time, and so we need to 
have maybe not in that annoying voice of recalculate, but we need to be able to recalculate our thoughts or what Paul says, take our thoughts captive. So I'm going to give you, um, for those of you that have heard me do a message before, I, I'm often given a hard time when I, when I bring a message and I don't have a handout. Um, because normally I, I do that. Well, no fear. Today you will get something as, as you leave today. But I um, had some help from, from uh, coworkers that kind of steered me in the right direction because I thought, wow, you know, that was a great little uh, video clip this morning, and that really kind of set the pace. And I thought, hmm, if we just gave a little baggie with a red pill and a blue pill to everybody when they left, what a, what a great reminder. And then I remembered that Bud would be on vacation, and he just got to the beach last night and would hate awfully much to uh, have to drive home because Harvest was on the news that the pastor was handing out pills today to everybody. So I, I kind of was guided. I was recalculated. Thank you, Deb, for recalculating me on that one. So uh, when you leave today, you will get a little baggie, but it has buttons in it. And they look like they're actual real buttons with holes in them, so you cannot mistake them in any way for a pill. So even if you're in a hurry to get to the restaurant you're going to and you happen to get pulled over and he happens to say empty out your pockets and you go, I got this at church. Okay, it's honest to goodness, it's a red button and a blue button in a bag. There's no way it can be mistaken for a pill and it's small enough that if you decide to swallow it, it's probably going to... leave you shortly from from there. But what I hope is that, you know, uh, several people have quite a collection of all my little giveaways, and and it's just a very simple reminder. You got to choose. And you got to choose a lot. Because the enemy, we're going to talk about that in just a minute, is, is filling your mind with all kinds of thoughts. And they are thoughts to harm you. They are thoughts to keep you away from the truth. They are thoughts to deceive you and keep you in slavery, to keep you broken, to keep you living from living the life that God meant you to have. So um, you'll get one of these. You're welcome to take one on your way out. And um, I I feel certain that Bud's not going to have to come home early from vacation. So that's that's a good thing. I'm not sure I'd still be here tomorrow if he had to come home, but that's, we won't worry about that right now. So if we have, if we're in this battle, and our mind is the battlefield, then, then conflicting thoughts are fighting over us, correct? Right? If our mind is the battlefield. So we've got to know who, who the two opposing forces are. So we're going to kind of spend more time this week talking about, um, from the video clip, what would be the blue pill. I mean, it was just random a pick on that one, I guess, um, from the video. But the, the, we have an enemy that is giving us bad thoughts. It's not going to surprise any of you for me to say that that enemy would be Satan and, and his angels, which as soon as they left heaven, they became demons. And, and there are millions of those, and they are, they are speaking to us. And unfortunately, a lot of times we're listening. And when we listen, we start to veer off the right path. We start to think 
bad thoughts about ourselves, about other people, about all kinds of things. We start to, to question God. We start to get off the path we need to be on. So I'm going to give you four things, and these are going to be based on Scripture, that we can recognize that are going to be descriptive of our enemy, the devil, based on Scripture. So if you take notes, you want to write one, two, three, four, and then you can write the, the, the reference, but then we're going to try to make little short things so that you can, so that you can know what those are. I think you'll, you'll get the hang of that in a minute. Um, the first one we're going to look at, we're going to uh, go to the Gospel of John, and we're going to go to chapter 8, and we're going to look at verse 44. So if you have your Bibles and you want to do that, my sweet husband, after the first service, I asked him, I said, how was it? And he goes, it's good. I mean, that, the typical answer of him is good. But you never really know what you're getting from Ryan. So if you all get that, I guess it means it's good. It's good. But he said, do you want some constructive criticism? And I said, go ahead. And he said, you and Bud do the same thing. He said, you, re- you tell what the passage of Scripture is, and then you tell people to look in their Bibles, and you start reading it before they even get there. So if you were looking, John, chapter 8, up in your Bible, between the time I took a drink of water and just explained that all to you, you should be in John chapter 8. But you can also follow along right there, and you can go immediately. How was that? Ryan, was that good? He'll go, yeah, that was good. That was better. That was good. Okay. So John chapter 8, verses, verse 44. And, and the context of this, this is Jesus speaking, and he's in the middle of a long dialogue with the Pharisees, who are the religious leaders. But the Pharisees are rule followers. They know nothing about the goodness of God. They know nothing about the relationship of God. They're trying to earn their way through following a bunch of rules. And Jesus is in this long conversation with them, and they're asking him questions. They're trying to get him in trouble. They're trying to get him to incriminate himself. And so this is one of his responses, uh, smack in the middle of that conversation he's having. So this is at verse 44. You belong to the father, the devil, and you want to carry out your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth, for there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language, for he is a liar and the father of lies. So number one thing about our enemy who's trying to direct our thoughts, he's a liar. You could write liar, you could write father of lies. Either one, but there's no truth anywhere in him. So this is not somebody that we want to listen to. Probably everybody in here has been lied to at some point in their life. Some, some might have been accidental things, like, you, you know, that thing, uh, do I look fat in that dress? Or, guys, you probably didn't say that, but, uh, okay, girls, you know, and, and so we might have said no. And maybe that was a little lie, and we weren't trying to be mean or anything. But some of you have been lied to, and it's been a big betrayal. And it's been very hurtful. And, and really, I've never known anything that a lie, we can get around that and say things aren't meant to be. Oh, I didn't mean anything by that. But lies are always going to lead us down the wrong path. So for Satan to be our enemy, being the father of lies, that's not somebody we want to listen to, but it definitely is somebody that we often listen to. So we're going to go uh, fairly quickly with these verses. Uh, number two, we, we're going to go back to Second Corinthians. So if you were there... You're going to go back to 2 Corinthians. I'm turning my pages slowly 
for more pause time to get to that verse, 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 14. And no wonder, for Satan himself masquerades as an angel of light. Okay, so number two is pretends to be good. He pretends to be good. Now, y'all know the little images of, I really don't know where it came from, you know, probably years ago somebody was a cartoonist or drew the little, the little red devil with the, with the tail and the little pitchfork, and he'd go, ah, you know, that, with the little horns, and ah. I just want to say that in church. It sounds, it sounds so wrong that you just have to, ah, right? <laughs> okay. Um, but he disguises himself as somebody good. So oftentimes, here's the thing, you're being lied to, number one, but you're being lied to with something that doesn't sound that bad, right? If you were told to do something that was like, go out and kill so-and-so, you'd be like, well, hopefully you'd be, have a bigger response. Than, but um, you wouldn't do that. But if it was like, you know what, let's just not go to church anymore because there are a bunch of fake fakos there and, and we can do this Christianity thing on our own. Well, sometimes that sounds pretty good, doesn't it? We've all had those thoughts. I've had those thoughts where I'm like, I don't even want to be called a Christian because I don't, the word, sometimes you're like, oh, I don't want to be a hypocrite. I don't, I don't want to associate with that. That almost sounds good. Satan will tell us something that is not bad, 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 something that's just kind of good, almost the truth. Let me ask you all a question because you're, I, I know, a smart bunch. Is almost the truth the truth? If, if I told you that this book, everything in this book is almost true, does that make any of it true? Almost true is a lie. So he pretends to be good. Number three, we're going to look at 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8. This will be a familiar verse to, to many of you. And it says, Be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Okay, anybody ever watch like uh, Animal Planet or National Geographic or any of those things where you see, you know, I, I can't watch it, it makes me sad where you get the big carnivores or after the little zebras or whatever. But who do they go for when a lion is, is walking around looking for somebody to get? They look for the ones that seem weak or by the edge, right? The ones that desperately need to recalculate and have just veered off a little bit from the pack. And they're over there to get them. Our enemy is just walking around out here. He's just looking. Who can I devour? Now, let me, let me I looked up uh, some words that relate to the word devour. In case that word, you're like, nah. He's not going to eat us. Okay. Listen to these other words for devour. This is what the enemy is doing. He's wandering around looking for somebody to gut deplete, drain, exhaust, anybody? Expend, spend, use up, annihilate, decimate, demolish, devastate, do in, pulverize, 
raze, ruin, shatter, smash, tear down, waste, wreck, blot out, extinguish. I think I probably just made my point on that one. If you don't think he's out there, then you definitely need a recalculation. He's gunning for us. So on that one, number three would be uh, a lion who wants to destroy us or devour. You know, you, you fill in that word, but a lion who wants to destroy us. So, so far our list, there's one more. Um, this is not looking like somebody we want to listen to. There's lots of verses about Satan, too. I just picked out four of them. The last one we're going to look at is uh, the book of Revelation, last book of the Bible, uh, chapter 12, verse 9. Chapter 12, verse 9. The great dragon was hurled down, that ancient serpent called the devil or Satan, who leads the whole world astray. He was hurled to the earth and his angels with him. So he number four is leads astray. So we have, on one side, a choice that we're listening to somebody that lies to us, that pretends to be good, that wants to destroy our whole lives and lead us astray. And sometimes we listen to that, but we don't have to. Jesus comes to present the truth to us. But we have to choose over and over because it's so easy to listen to the enemy. And I think um, Bud and I talk often, and, and it, it's the, it, it is the deepest desire of our hearts that you would believe the truth of who Jesus is in your life. That you would know that you have life, that you have forgiveness, that you have full restoration, that you have hope, that you have a joy, that you have a future. But no, no matter how badly and desperately we want that for you, we can't make you think that. You have to choose who you listen to. And listening to an enemy is going to destroy you. He will tell you over and over that if you have, if, if there's some sin in your life that you can't seem to put away, that you can't seem to get rid of, and, and, and you have gone back to that sin, I don't know, four or five times, he's like, you're a failure. You're never going to know freedom from that. If you're divorced, he'll tell you, you failed at God's holy institution of marriage and that there's no hope for you to have a good and holy relationship. That's a lie. If he's told you that you're not smart enough, you're not good enough, you're never going to be accepted, don't tell anybody at church about your life because they won't accept you and they won't love you, that's a lie. There's a, there's a song that, that came out recently, um, I think recently, I didn't hear it all that long ago, um, and I think it, it, it's really great. Um, it, it's called Fear He is a Liar. And the first time I listened to it, I thought it was saying fear is a liar. 
But it says, fear he is a liar. And I wanted to, I wanted to read you the words to that song because they're, they're really powerful. Really, really powerful. Some of you may have heard that song. Some of you have not heard it before. Um, you're going to hear it in a, in a few minutes. But these are the words to that song. When he told you that you're not good enough, okay, and I, I guarantee in here because I, I can't be different than everybody else in here, we've all been told and we've all listened to a voice that said you're not good enough over something in your life, maybe everything. But sometime in your life, you have heard that voice, you are not good enough. You listen to it. When he told you you're not right, when he told you you're not strong enough to put up a good fight, when he told you you're not worthy, how many of us have had to fight to get in the doors of the church because of that very thing? You're not worthy. You're not worthy. When he told you you're not loved, how many times have we felt that? When he told you you're not beautiful, that you'll never be enough. Fear? He's a liar. He'll take your breath. He'll stop you in your steps. Fear? He is a liar. He will rob your rest. He will steal your happiness. Cast your fear into the fire. Fear? He is a liar. When he told you you were troubled, you'll forever be alone. When he told you you should run away, that you'll never find a home. When he told you you were dirty and you should be ashamed. When he told you you could be the one that grace could never change. Fear? He is a liar. He will take your breath He will stop you in your steps. Fear? He is a liar. He will rob your rest. He will steal your happiness. Cast your fear in the fire, because fear? He is a liar. I've seen too many people for too long that have lived in defeat because they have believed a lie about themselves. And they have not embraced the truth. They want to. They desperately want to believe that the red pill is the right way to go, that Jesus is, is who he says he is, and that we are who he says we are. But we have believed a lie, and it's so hard to break away from that. But let me tell you something else. On that list of four things that it says in Scripture, this is not scriptural, but this is, this is what I know to be true. Satan is a bully, but he's a coward. He is a coward. And he lies to us because if we can believe that, he doesn't have to do anything else because once we embrace the truth of who Jesus says we are, we'll never be the same. Now, some of you may be thinking I'm talking about salvation, and, and sure. That's the first step, but that's not the only step we take. Recalculating 
or taking your thoughts captive is deciding every day, multiple times during the day, that you're going to believe the truth of Jesus. That you're going to, you're going to choose the red pill because you don't want to live a life anymore. And I've seen people held down and with the belief of something about their life that is just not true. And if they could be set free, the force they could be for the kingdom of God is so powerful. Um, the band is going to do Fear He Is a Liar. If you've never heard that song, it's, it, it's, it, it's pretty amazing. If you want to go home and add it to your Spotify list or whatever, if you don't know that, uh, Zach Williams is the, is the artist on that song. And it, it, is, uh, it is an anthem about freedom. It's something we want to listen to. So we're going we're gonna to listen to that song, and, and I'm just gonna, we're going to turn the lights down. I'm just going to ask you uh, in your heart of hearts to think about what, ha- what are the lies about your life that you have believed? You don't have, to, you don't have to say those out loud. You don't have to write them down. But what are the lies that you have believed about your life? And I, and I feel like I, I got some real direction from the Holy Spirit on this, and, and, and so we're going to do this. As this song plays, I told you that Satan is a coward. And sometimes the thing we need to do most of all is just stand up to him and watch him flee, to go, enough. So I'm going to ask you if, you, if you have felt in any area of your life defeated, that you have listened to a lie, as this song plays... I'm just going to ask you to stand up where you are. A a public proclamation that you're standing up to Satan and going, no more. I cannot live in defeat in this area of my life. You You don't have to tell anybody what that is. God will know. But if you would just stand up during the play, anytime during the playing of that song, if you want to make a proclamation, go, Satan, I stand up to you. I'm recalculating right now. I am taking my thoughts captive. I am believing the truth about Jesus and what he says about me. And by the way, next week, in part two of this message, we'll do a review for those that weren't here this week, but then we will talk about who Jesus says he is and who Jesus says that we are. So I hope you'll come back and and get more affirmation. But let's just listen to this song, and if you need to just stand up and say, I'm standing up to you. Watch him flee right out the door. When he told you you're not good enough, when he told you you're not right, when he told you you're not strong enough to put up a good fight. When he told you you're not worthy. When he told you you're not loved. When he told you you're not beautiful, but you'll never be enough.
future and you are freedom you have freedom because that's what Jesus says and that's what Jesus is take your thoughts captive make good choices all day listen to the truth have a great week you can pick up your little packet on the way out and we'll see you next week and we will talk about The red pill. Take care. Uh, from last week if you weren't here. So if you were here, you get, you get double duty, and if you weren't, you'll get a little recap. Uh, I played this clip last week, too. If you, I, I can't believe that it's this movie, The Matrix, came out in 1999. Uh, that's like 
a long time ago. I, I, it seems like just yesterday, doesn't it? Yeah, uh, it's a great movie. But I, I love this. I love this scene. I've always it's it's always kind of stuck in my head because it is so like us in that we have to make choices all the time. We have to choose whether we want to believe the truth or whether we're willing to listen to a lie. And, and so that's sort of, I'm not going to get into the, the whole idea of, of what this movie is about. You can go home and watch it if you haven't seen it. Uh, I love sci-fi, and, and, and that's what this is about. Um, but I think that we can relate to choices because we all have to make them. And, and I think this is so important that, that last week, I, I, well, I don't really know if it's an official rule of when you preach a sermon, but you usually save the bottom line for the end to keep everybody's attention uh, for the thing. And, and I gave, at the very beginning of a two-part message, I gave the bottom line at the very beginning, uh, which gave some people an opportunity once they get that bottom line, if they needed a couple extra Zs or, or uh, a, a few moments to kind of space out, that was good. Um, but I thought it was so important that last week I had a, a card on every seat because I, I asked everybody to write it down in their own handwriting. Now, I don't have that card this week, but it is... It is something that needs to be kept in front of us all the time. And, and I put the bottom line in the present tense uh, and in the first person. So if, if you weren't here last week and you want to write this down somewhere, if you have notes or you want to remember this, uh, write it down later on on a card. And it says, who I am listening to is who I am following. Who I am listening to is who I am following. And, and that... In any given situation, if we had this in front of us, we may make a lot different choices than we have made before. Sometimes we think that if we make one choice, yes, I'm a, I'm a follower of Jesus, that that kind of covers everything, but every day there's a battle going on for who we're going to listen to. And whoever it is at that given moment, that's the direction we're s- sort of going to go in. And so we talked last week, we have to know... Um, who the sides are that are speaking to us. And so last week, I talked about the blue pill a little bit more. I talked about Satan and, and who he is and who Scripture says that he is. And I, and I gave a handout. Um, if you um, have been to any of my messages before or, or way, way back when I was a, a youth pastor, I used to have stuff all the time. People that have had to grow up with me have a little pocket full of all kinds of weird little trinkets. Um, and, and when I don't have a handout, I am given grief by my loving fellow co-workers. Uh, so uh, I had one for this one. And, and initially I had the, this great idea that I would give you a, a, a blue and a red pill in a, in a little plastic baggie to take home to remind you of this very clip and the choices that you make. But then I, I you know, didn't, again, didn't want Bud to have to get a call on vacation to come home because Harvest was on the news because... We were handing out pills at church and everything. So um, somebody else that has more wisdom than I did uh, kind of brought that to my attention. And so I ended up getting buttons. Now, these look like buttons. They don't look like pills, right? They obviously are buttons. Uh, so if you have them in your pocket and you're speeding somewhere and you get pulled over and, and you have to empty your pockets out, it'll look like you have two buttons in a little baggie in your pocket but hopefully it will remind you of the choices we make. So if you didn't get one of these last week, uh, they'll be at the door on the way out. You can just grab 
uh, a little thing to remind yourself between that and the card that who you're listening to is who you're following. And that's a choice we have to make. And so last week when I talked about Satan, I, I gave a list and... Um, I'm going to talk about that and, and just kind of give you a, a, a reminder. I'm not going to go through all the scriptures again. You'll have to go back and kind of listen to that message, but they're all based on scripture. Um, but one of the things I talked about last week was the old, uh, the old GPS gadgets we used to have in our car and how if you made a wrong turn, the annoying voice would always say recalculating, recalculating, recalculating over and over and over. And that's sort of what we need to do. And Paul tells us in Scripture that that's what we need to do. So the sort of the key passage for the whole thing uh, is found in 2 Corinthians chapter 10. And in verse 5, he says, We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God, and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. That's really, really important stuff, taking your thoughts captive. And so you might say, okay, I, I can, you know, that, that makes sense to me. You know, I hear different things in my head. How do I do that? You've got to recalculate. You've got to take those every time you think a thought, and you've got to kind of bring it back. Now, that's a hard thing to do. I'm not talking about something that's super easy. Now, you all, at some point in your life, learned how to walk. You probably don't remember when the person that taught you how to walk taught you that. But some of you may have uh, kids right now that are sort of going through that or it hasn't been that long or grandchildren or somebody that you helped kind of toddle around. Well, you didn't hold their little hands and, and, and they kind of took their first one step and then you went, all right, and you walked away. You knew it took time and over and over again or if you taught somebody to ride a bike, it, it, it takes a while to figure that out. Well, taking your thoughts captive takes a while to do. We have an enemy, Satan, who wants us to think certain things. And sometimes we listen to those things and sometimes we follow. And so here's the list. I'm just going to go over this one really quick. I'm not going to go over the scripture that this went with. But here's the things that we learned last week based on scripture. Four things in a list. We're going to have lists this week too. Satan is a liar. He's the father of lies. He pretends to be good. He prowls around like a lion looking for somebody to devour or to exhaust. And he leads people astray. Those are, those are four things that our enemy does. And we went over those with the scriptures last week. But we also have another choice. And so this week I want to talk about the red pill. Because the red pill, we have an opportunity to listen to what God says. And so i got two lists for you this week. We're going to go over them kind of rapidly because i got a whole, whole lot of Scripture that I want to go over. Now, after the first service last week, I, um, I, I spoke to Ryan, my husband, and, and I, I asked him, I said, how was it? And in all his usual enthusiasm, if you know him, he was like, it's, it's good. Now, Ryan, if, if he got anything like, uh, except for maybe a Lamborghini for Christmas, you know, anything you give him, he's going to be like, it's, it's good. So I kind of took that pretty complimentary. Uh, but then he said to me, he goes, do you want some constructive criticism? And I was like, oh, 
I'm usually the one that does that after a service to Bud. I don't have to, I was like, oh, I have to hear this about what I need to fix. And he said, really? He said, you say you love it when people follow along and open their own Bibles in Scripture, and you go way too fast. And you don't give people time to get there. You need to slow down. And so I was like, oh, okay. So I slowed down last week, but this week I'm going to go even faster. So here's what <laughs> Here's what I'm going to have to tell you. i got so many scriptures to go through. I want you to write down the reference. If you have your own Bible, you may not be able to follow along, but it's going to be on the screen, and you'll have the reference, and I hope you'll look it up later. Does that work for everybody? Or unless you're like a Bible ninja, if you're a Bible ninja and can just, you know, flip through those pages, then, then you go right ahead and follow along in that way. But I want to give you, so this is sort of list number two. Last week was list number one, and that was the four things, and there's lots more than four, but there were four things that Satan, about Satan. And now these are four things that God's Word says about God. Four things that God's Word says about God. So I'm going to give you the Scripture, and then I'm going to give you, I'm going to kind of consolidate it down so you have a short list of four things. You know, big, long lists are, are really hard, so I'm going to kind of make them short so you understand them. So... Four things that God's Word says about God. Number one, um, and I even wrote down the scriptures because I am not a Bible ninja and I can't turn that fast. And so I even wrote them down because I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read them from this list. So the first thing we're going to look at is uh, John chapter 14, verse 6. And it'll be up here on the screen, but I'm going to read that to you. And it says, Jesus answered. This is the same conversation that was going on last week I talked to you about in the middle of with the Pharisees. And he said, I answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So number one on your list of what does God's word say about God, he's the way, the truth, and the life. Now, if you're somebody that likes to highlight verses in your Bible, that's a great verse to highlight. But I, but I, I love little words. I love little words, and I think we skip right over them. And so if you're somebody that highlights in your Bible and you highlighted that verse, maybe you could take a pen and draw a circle around a little word in there that comes up three times. He is the way, the truth, and the life. He's not a way, he's not a truth, and he's not a life. He is the. That means nothing else. So the is a very important word. It covers everything. He's the way. He's the way in. He's the way out. He's the truth, the opposite. The red pill, he's the opposite of the blue pill. And he is the life. You want life, it's going to be found in him. So that's the first thing that God says about himself in his word. Now we're going to go through these kind of quick because i got another list too, but these are super important. So the second thing, we're going to stay in the Gospel of John and look at John chapter 16, verse 13. And this is talking about the Holy Spirit, but the Holy Spirit is God as well, right? So this is what it says. But when he, the Spirit of truth, or that's the Holy Spirit, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears, and he will tell you what is yet to come. So number two on your list of what God says about God is the Holy Spirit guides in all truth. Another small word. Does it say some of the truth? All the truth. All truth. All right, we're going to jump right on to number three, and we're going to even stay in the Gospel of John one more time and flip over to John chapter 17, verse 17, that says, Sanctify them 
by the truth. Your word is truth. This is Jesus talking, and when he's talking about your, he's talking about his father. So, number three is his word is truth. Are you seeing a kind of a pattern in this list? At first I looked at it and I was like, this is such an exciting list. And then I thought, this is kind of such a boring list because it says truth, truth, truth. That's who he is. Truth, truth, truth. Right? If you're going to recalculate, you want to recalculate on the side of truth. Right? Now, you're not going to be surprised at the last one might, the last one on your list might talk about truth. But we're going to go back to the Psalms on this one, and this is one of the really long Psalms. Experts are not sure who wrote this Psalm. They've narrowed it down to it was either David, Ezra, or Daniel. I'm good with those guys. Whoever said it, Ezra, David, or Daniel, I'm like, I'm listening because they got it from God, okay? So this is what Psalm 119, verse 160 says. All your words are true. All your righteous laws are eternal. So number four is all his words are truth. How many of them? All of them. Truth, 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 truth. That's just four things. You want to look up some more truth, you do a word study. You're going to find out a whole lot more about truth. But this is what God's word says about God. We just learned that Satan is a liar and God is truth. You see how opposite these things are, right? Now, if we stopped right there and I said, amen, you guys get it, right? You get a choice between lying and truth. You'd be like, that was, that was good. A lot of good scripture in there, a lot of good meat. I get it. We got the little thing to take home. We got the whoever we're listening to, all of that. We got the little buttons, not pills. We got the whole, we got the whole thing, right? It would be great. But you don't want to miss out on list number three. Okay? And by the way, Shortly after list number three, for those of you that were like, okay, she gave us the bottom line at the beginning, so I'm, I'm, I'm going to you know, check out for a little bit, I have a bottom, bottom line. <laughs> and I'm not giving the bottom, bottom line until the end. So if you want the bottom, bottom line, you've got to stay checked in. But you definitely want list number three. Because here's one of the greatest things. And I'll tell you what, when I, was, when I was writing this list out and I looked at it in simple form, because I broke it down kind of simple, I looked at it and, it and it made my knees want to give out seriously. I don't just mean like, you know, metaphorically. I mean seriously, it made my knees want to give out. We'll see if it does that to you too. These are four things that God's word says about us. About us. Because as much as we try to be those people that aren't all about ourselves, right, we tend to, the world orbits around us sometimes, right? Something's got to be about us. I got to have something, I got to have something personal in there that speaks to me about me. I love that there's, that there's these, this huge conflict that's going on and there's, there's perfect goodness over here and truth with God and there's, there's perfect evil and lies over here from Satan. But what does this really have that much to do with me? Well, here's your list. And if this list doesn't make your knees buckle, I'm not sure what will. So number one, these are four things that God's word says about me. 
or you, if you're right in that list. The first one is in First uh, Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 4. And it says, For we know, brothers and sisters loved by God, that he has chosen you. So number one is, I'm loved and chosen. I'm loved and chosen. Now we could just skip right on to the next thing. I'm not going to do that that quick. I want you to think about the word chosen. How many times in your life have you been chosen above all else and all others? Probably not that many. Probably not that many. I, I said in the first service, and oh gosh, I'm going to say it again. Some of you may remember, I remember being in elementary school. As soon as I did that, I looked at somebody's face in the first service, and they were like, oh gosh, where's she going with this? I'm already depressed. Kickball teams. It was recess, kickball teams. And always the two, the two captains of the team, right, are always the most popular kids. They were always the, the best looking. Uh, it was just everything, right? And they'd go down their list, right? And the, all the kids out here recess, and they'd be like, and they'd go back and forth, and they'd pick, right? Mm. All right, I'll pick you. Well, I was never the captain, and I was always the last one picked. I wasn't chosen. I got stuck because everybody had to be on a team. I got stuck on whoever got stuck with me at the end. Maybe you've had some kind of experience like that in your life. Maybe you've applied for a job and you thought, I've worked really hard, I've studied, I've turned in my resume and other people did too and you went for an interview and you didn't get picked. Maybe you went to a middle school dance. See, this is getting worse, isn't it? You're like, oh, you started with elementary school recess and now you're going to middle school dance. Are you kidding me? Where the boys are on one side and the girls are on the other and you're just like hoping that somebody walks across that floor and is like asks you. And you don't get picked. We are seldom chosen in life, but even if we are, we're seldom the number one first pick. You don't know what that feels like. He has chosen you. He picked you. He picked me. And, and just because he picked everybody in here, we're never the last pick. You were the first pick. And the next person is the first pick. And the next person is the first pick. You were chosen. This is who speaks truth into your life. But yet we so easily listen to the liar, don't we? We just automatically go, we're nothing, we're worthless. We just, we just go that direction so easily. And God's over here going, I chose you. I chose you. So that's number one on the list. Number two, we're going to flip over to the book of Romans. Chapter 8, verse 1. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. No condemnation. So number two is I'm not condemned. Now I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stand right up here and say that every one of us in this room, we deserve to be condemned for things we've done and for things we've not done. That's, that's not the point. 
The point is, he doesn't remember any of it. Now, we remember stuff, but only God can actually, because he's God, can choose to pull something out of his mind and throw it into the deepest ocean and remember it no more so that when we come back and go, remember that time I did this because Satan is reminding us of it? Remember that time I'm not good, I, I don't even belong in your kingdom. I don't even, I'm not even good enough to walk in the door. And he's going, what are you talking about? Because there's no condemnation. He doesn't say there's a little bit. And it doesn't say, if you work really hard, if you give me, if if I pass those buckets again and you put everything you have in them, if you're here every time the church doors are open and you do everything and you're on your knees 24-7, maybe I'll reduce your condemnation. He says there is no condemnation. Wait a minute. I'm chosen and I'm not condemned? And we still listen to a liar. All right, let's keep going. Your knees ready to buckle yet? Mine are. I'm the only one standing up. You guys got it, you guys got it good. We're going to stay in the book of Romans. We're going to flip over to, to chapter 15, verse 7. So just write that reference down. You can look it up later. Accept one another then, just as Christ accepted you, in order to bring praise to God. So, number three on our list is, I'm accepted. Wait a minute. I'm accept- I don't remember taking the test. Do you, do you guys remember taking the test? Any, anybody in here ever had to take a test over some? Everybody in here had to take a test about something, right? But some of you probably for your jobs or, or uh, to go to school or things like that. We've all had to take a test, right? What happens if you don't pass? Failure. Fail, fail, not good enough, right? Wait a minute. This says, wait a minute, I've got to look at that again. Just as Christ accepted you, you didn't have to take a test. You didn't have to give blood. You didn't have to get fingerprinted. You didn't have to go see a psychologist and have them sign off that you're, that you're okay. You didn't have to come and sit down with Bud and have him go, you gotta, I can't even let you in the front door unless you tell me um, that you are a, a sinner and that you are going to come to the altar today. And you're, did he ask you that? He better, Bud, you didn't ask that, did he? No, he did not. He did not. You didn't have to do anything. Nothing. Nothing. I'm accepted. That's not it. I saved, the, I saved my favorite for last. And there's a ton more. You want to learn about yourself? You go pull the, you, you just go Google and say, show me scriptures about what, what God says about us as people. You got all day? But here's number four. We're going to look in the book of Ephesians chapter 1 verse 4. Oh. That's all right. You keep that. You want that? Yeah. See? My hand rang. I need it back for the next service, though. <laughs> God wouldn't do that, but see, I'm not, as, I'm not that good. I don't, he doesn't ask for it back. Okay, number four. Uh, Ephesians chapter 1, verse 4. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. Number four is, I am holy, I am chosen, and I am blameless. I'm holy, chosen, and blameless. Now, it would be easy to say, 
what religion says, which he might choose us, because this is how we dilute scripture. We, he might choose us if we do a bunch of stuff and we're good. See, I'm 54 years old. I might say, if I do enough good stuff, maybe by the time I'm 53, then he'll have chosen me. I'm not quite there yet. I might get there. He might choose me, but I'm not there yet. But it doesn't say that at all. It says, for he chose us in him. When? Before what? Before he made any of it. He chose you before he made anything. Think of the most beautiful thing. Some of you have been on vacation this summer. Some of you are getting ready to go on vacation. You've been to beautiful places. Think about those beautiful places. He chose you before he ever thought about creating a waterfall or the ocean or the mountains or this beautiful lake or a sunrise or a sunset or any of it. He chose you. And he chose me. And he made us holy and blameless in his sight. Those are just four things that God's word says about you. Who we're listening to is who we're following. It's an old, old story. From the very beginning, Adam and Eve were created. Now they got to walk in a garden with God. Can you imagine being in a perfect place and walking in a garden with God? They were naked, didn't know it, didn't care. Didn't compare themselves to somebody else. Didn't say, what, am I, what do I look like in this? What do I? They didn't, everything was great. They were listening to God, and so they were following him. And then, who knows how long that was going on. In the Bible, it's two chapters, and in chapter 3, here comes Satan. And he goes, hey, Eve, listen to me. And she listened to a lie, and who did she follow? And who did Adam follow? And that's been our story ever since. But see, we have to choose all the time. Every day. Lots of times in the day. I'm going to go ahead and give you, before I get to the, to the last part, I'm going to give you the bottom, bottom line. There's the bottom, bottom. And it's, and it's not up on the screen, but you'll get the idea. The bottom, bottom line of all of this, of reading chapter 3 in the, in the book of Genesis, about reading the whole Bible and that choice, 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 over and over. We got, we got lies over here. We got truth over here. Here's the bottom line. Satan will use every lie. He'll use every single lie, every evil strategy, and his evil strategies are shame, guilt, and fear. Shame, guilt, and fear. So Satan will use every lie, every evil strategy to keep you from realizing the great truth. See, everybody's like, what? What is it? What's the great truth? You are free. That's it. In Jesus Christ, and because of Jesus Christ, you are free. And Satan, I told you last week, he's a coward and he's terrified. 
that we're going to realize that and go, oh, I get it. I get it. And if you think I made up the bottom line, I didn't make it up. Jesus said it in John chapter 8, verse 36. So if the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. You will be free indeed. But a lot of us are not experiencing freedom because of who we're listening to. If you are listening to a voice that says, you're worthless. Remember that time you screwed up and then you did it again and then you did it again and you did it one more time? You're not good enough. You don't belong with those people. If you listen to that voice, where are you going to go? But if you listen to a voice that says, I'm all truth. And so when I'm all truth, and when I say to you that you're loved and chosen, and that you're not condemned, and that you're accepted, and that you're holy and chosen and blameless, where are you going to go then? And he's terrified of that. Now, the whole gist of this message for me has come over the last couple of months, because I I love music, love, love, love it, Um, can't sing my way out of a paper bag, but I, I love listening to music in the places it takes us. We've already had great worship here this morning, haven't we? I mean, you could just feel it. You know, it, it took you someplace. Well, there's been these two songs. I've gone back and forth, kind of like this whole choices, back and forth. And, and I loved them both, but for different reasons. They moved me in different ways, but I would hear one, and I'd be like, oh, that was a really good song, but it moved me in one way. But then I'd hear this other song, and it was like the opposite. So last week, I read you the words to a song, Fear He is a Liar, and we played that at the end. And, and that was one song, and it moved me in one way, but there's this other song. And it, and it just has moved me in such a different way. And, and I want to read the words for, to you before we dismiss this morning. We're, we're going to play this here at the end. Before I spoke a word... You were singing over me. (laughs) Somebody was singing over us? And it was God? You've been so, so good to me. And before I took a breath, you breathed your life into me. You've been so, so kind to me. Oh, the overwhelming, never-ending, reckless love of God. Now, I like words a lot, and when I thought of the word reckless, I've always thought of that in a negative sort of a way, right? Probably because when somebody said it to me, it's been in a a negative sort of way. You were so reckless doing that, you know? So I'm like, wait a minute, this is talking about the reckless love of God. How can something that seems like a negative be something so great? So, of course, I got out the dictionary because, you know, I love to do that. And and so I looked up the word reckless because I sort of know what it means, but I'm like, I needed some other words. And so here's what it said. It said, marked by a lack of proper caution, 
But then this one, this is the one that got me. Careless of consequences. You know what that means? He doesn't care. He doesn't care what it cost him. It was going to cost him everything, and he didn't care because all he was doing since before he made this world was looking at you. I love them. I've got to get them. Reckless love. And then, not only is it available... But you would think, in our minds, the way we've presented religion, well, you've got to come, you come dragging yourself up to the altar and get it. And you've got you know, you to face the condemnation of everybody that's watching you go, going, mm-hmm, they need to get up there. They need to get up to that altar. But here's what God does. He doesn't sit up there and go, all right, come on, here I am. Listen to this. This is the reckless love of God. It chases me down. It fights till I'm found. It leaves the 99. He comes to us. Not only is he reckless and, and, and gives it away, he comes chasing after us when we're going down all the wrong paths for it. I couldn't earn it. I sure don't deserve it. And still, still you give yourself away. Oh, the overwhelming, never-ending, reckless love of God. When I was your foe, still your love fought for me. You've been so, so good to me. When I felt no worth, you paid it all for me. You have been so, so kind to me. There's no shadow you won't light up. Mountain you won't climb up coming after me. There's no wall you won't kick down. Lie you won't tear down coming after me. You have a choice. You always have a choice of who you listen to. We're going to, the band did not have time to practice this song, so we're going to play the, the radio version. I'm going to ask that the, turn the house lights down. If you were here last week, you know that I said, when we played that fear is a liar, I said, look, if you feel like you want to proclaim and say, I'm not listening to this voice anymore, then I said, just stand where, you're, where you are. I'm going to say to you this week, is at any time while this song is playing, if you just know, and, 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 and this isn't necessarily some kind of altar call, this isn't pointing anybody out, this is saying, I need to lean into him. I need for him to come get me. I need to fall into him. I need him to carry me. I need, to, I need this reminder of who he is. And you want to proclaim that now. Just stand up anytime you want during this song. And stand in freedom. Because who the sun set free is free indeed.